0: Let's get into this. Nick, what you got for us today?
1: What I have for us today... Fuck. Wait, how do I want to start this? Shit.
0: You said you had it written down. Let's just see it. fucked we it up shit.
1: already. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the scuff. Alright. um, So, hi. Welcome to the second episode of the Dungeons & Dubbies podcast. I'm <sighs> leading the charge this week. I'm Nick, and... uh I kind of suck sometimes.
0: Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> I love
2: that you called it uh, dungeons and dubbies. Dubbies and dragons, whatever, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's all the same. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair.
1: Dubbies and dragons doesn't sound as sexual as, as dungeons and dubbies. That sounds like you picked up <laughs> Teletubby characters and put them in a fucking torture dungeon. Bro, have you
0: have you tried the have you tried the dubby dilly? <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon to the merch store. <laughs>
1: All right, let's take, it, let's take one more. Let's take, it take it from the top. top. You all right, this. hot take, hot take. Let's you got go. top. This,
0: <laughs> this I is. Got I hope it. you know that this is all staying in the podcast.
1: I hate it. I <laughs> it. Fuck yeah. Anyways. Uh, hi, welcome to the second episode of the Dubbies and Dragons podcast. Leading the charge and hosting this week is me, your boy, Nick. Uh, and tonight we have myself and...
0: Hi, I'm Dale Ed Cadis. Uh, my name is Keanu,
2: uh, but uh, people call me Boozy. Boozy Bumbler.
1: Bunny. <laughs> okay, Nick in charge. Yeah, trust me. We all know it's going to be a little scuffed tonight.
0: A little uh, bit of a train uh, wreck, but it's fine.
1: Uh, my life is a train wreck, so I'm used to it. All right. So last week we talked about. Um, Just intro into Dungeons & Dragons, and we had a little bit of light conversation, a few stories, and we're really just talking about the nuts and bolts of how we got in, finding a group, and just some of the nuances when it comes to uh, making those decisions and getting into stuff. And we also drank copious amounts of alcohol while talking about it, which we will be continuing as a trend. So for this episode, uh, we all have individual drinks, but moving forward, we're going to roll. Uh, we're gonna roll a percentile die, and we're gonna find a drink out of the Dungeons Dragons official uh, drink book of alcoholic beverages. So that'll be we uh, talking about that more at the end, but that will be happening. Uh, Keanu, what are you drinking tonight?
2: I actually pulled a recipe from the the Dungeon Meisters uh, D&D cook uh, or drink book today. Um, I am drinking the sweet and sorcerer. Or sweet and sourcerer. Um, it has uh some sweet and sour mix. Uh it's some cherry liqueur and some white rum with uh some lime in it. So this just straight up tastes like a cherry lemonade, or a little bit of like a cherry limeade kind of thing. But you know, it's gonna fuck me up. <laughs>
1: And Dale, what are you drinking tonight?
0: I got this beautiful thing. It is called the uh, Follow the Green Dragon. And it is some Midori and some Blue Carousel. And that's really it. That A little bit of like 7-Up on or Sprite on top of it. Nice. So it's going to do its job.
1: Fuck, I hope so. And uh looks like I'm drinking a Hammerhead Ale, courtesy of McMenamins. Oh, yeah. All right. So, now that we have the formalities out of the way, let's get into the nuts and the bolts tonight, guys. Character creation. The most fun you'll have before you even start D&D is coming up with that thing you're going to R-play. R-roll? Fuck. You're going to roll play. <laughs>
2: I can I can uh I have a, like a little bit of a uh, an anecdote here for this. Uh so most of you guys if you're familiar with my channel uh, or you're kind of in our friend group, you guys know who Cece is. Um she has uh I don't think she's ever played or maybe she's only ever played once, but she's she just has like made characters because the making characters part is the most fun to her. Like she has a lot of fun, just like thinking up of characters and like creating wacky backstories and stuff for them, which is
0: pretty C- cool. CC did, in fact, play with us. She played it in a one shot that I ran uh, back in Brown Town.
2: Oh <sighs> yeah, that's true. That's why it right. I, I sounded familiar. Like I couldn't. I First couldn't
0: off, It's still
1: Senderp, which is just gnomish for Brown Town, but it's Senderp nonetheless.
0: Uh Brown Town. It's still Brown Town.
2: <sighs>
1: you fucks. <laughs> Anyways, boys, Dale, and I'm going to start off with you with this first opening question to get us rolling. How do you get an an idea for a character? Is there anything that you get that's special, unique, or do you just kind of just sit down, look at a sheet, roll some dice, and say, fuck it? Or do things come to you?
0: Uh, Well, originally, are we talking about when I first started are we talking about right now how I do it? Whenever. Okay, well, I'll do both. When I first started, um, I had ideas for, you know, I, I stuck like my first character was a rogue, and everybody who listened to the podcast last week um, knows that that my first character was a rogue. But I just thought rogues were so cool. I love the the ninja aspect, I love the assassin aspect. And so I just rolled with that. Um, and it was like basically, man, I was like a little 16 year old kid or 15 year old kid, and I was just trying to be as edgy as fuck because I was already edgy as fuck like IRL. But as things progressed, and where I get now is, um, basically, I just, <laughs> it's going to sound horrible, but it's the complete truth. I just basically don't like being myself, so I, I find any fucking reason to not have to be myself and my and my characters. So every, everything that I want to be in real life, you can find in my characters, and that's, that's where I start. So I start with a backstory, like um, a good backstory that um, is interesting. And I move on from there.
1: Is that why you never pick a rogue? Because it's already too edgy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I, like ninety ninety percent of my day is just me edging all the time, just just constantly on that verge. Um, and so that's why I don't play an edgy character any longer. So
1: sweet, baby rays, Keanu. How about you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Alright, um
2: <laughs> I choose kind of a little bit of a different approach. Uh what I do first is I look at all of the classes and I'm like, hmm. Which one haven't I played in a while? Or which one haven't I played a character like this in a while? And so I mean honestly that's that's why I be why I chose Warlock for Bulby because I played a cleric and then a paladin. I was like, alright, I'm getting away from this kind of character, let's try something else. Um, so I look and I try to find kind of like something new, something fresh. I kind of come up with an idea for like uh class and race, and then I start working on the backstory and then kind of go from there so
1: so it's it's more important that you change it up rather than jumping in and just playing kind of something similar each time,
2: right.
0: What about you, Nick? How how do you choose what character you're going to play and when you're going to play that character?
1: So when I and I'll uh, do kind of a format of Dale's. Um, When I first started, I was like, wizard. I want to cast spells. Like, and that's kind of what all of it was. Is uh, my first character uh, when I played with Keanu was an elven wizard, um, and he was awful. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing, and uh, I. Ironically enough, I was the only one who didn't die uh, and our uh, our party got wiped and I was dragging them back because our horse got killed to town with a cart <laughs> with the negative 2 stat wizard. It was pretty gangster. Uh, <laughs> so um, for me, uh, you know, then it was about, I want to be a spellcaster. I want to be some form of, of a spellcaster. That's all. I, I was horse blinders. I was tunnel visioned. I'm doing that. Now, I actually, I'm, I cater more to the group when I come up with the character. And that's um, and something that Keanu was talking about. actually leads into our next question. The next question I had to ask you guys tonight was, you know, I catered to the group, so I, I based everything on the class first. And then I, it trickled down from there. Hmm. But that is actually the next question is, where do you guys like to start? And I think Keanu answered a little bit. Maybe he can go a little bit more in depth. Um You guys start with class, background, stats, or a backstory, and what do you think is the most important, and what do you think is the least important?
0: Who would you like to go first, B?
1: No, I I figure Keanu can go, since he already kind of gave us a little bit of his his answer.
2: So, the way that I kind of approach things is I do... uh, First, I, I, I do class, and then I decide race, and then I do backstory, and then I do stats, right? In my opinion, for me at least, the class is the most important because it kind of sets the tone for how I'm going to play this character. Um, I think backstory is probably like the second most important thing, but I think it kind of, not always, but it can kind of play off of what race you choose, which is why I do it after the race. I think stats, in my opinion, is probably like the least important uh, unless, like, it's specifically going to cater to something in your backstory. So, if you're playing somebody who's like, you know, who just recently woke up from a coma or something, you know, you don't want him to be this like super, you know, wisdom high, super smart boy because he's been, you know, he's been incapacitated for however long. Like, just stuff Look like at, that.
1: Looking at you, Walking Dead.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, I think. <laughs> I think that, um, in my opinion, just in my opinion, the class is the most important, and then I would say stats are probably the least.
1: Okay. Dale!
0: I, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do things a little weird, and this is a little unconventional for, for most people that I've, I have talked to about this, um, but this is great. I just want to say this is, first and foremost, this is great, because I don't think that even though we've known each other for quite some time now, I don't think we've ever talked about c- character creation or how to create a character or how we go about creating characters. Uh, me, I do things a little unconventional. I actually r- figure out my backstory first. That is the very first thing that I write up. And then I tailor everything around the backstory. So, um, I tailor what class he's going to play. Like, if if it's going to be a monk or if it, you know, or, or whatever. Like, even Ebo, I was like, Okay, this guy lives in the mountains. I was, uh, okay, maybe a monastery in the mountains? Okay, so I think I know where I'm going with it, you know? His, 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 uh, monastery got, or this his home got attacked. It was destroyed. He has no family. Maybe he's on kind of a revenge seeking thing? So I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do a, uh, a monk that is kind of like a, a shadow monk in a way, but, like, without without having to uh multi-class into rogue or anything like that so i still have those kind of like assassin perks you know it was just like i tailored it all around my backstory my backstory was the first thing that i that i had going for me okay. um, and i just kind of do that with all my characters now you know and then race is the very like race is the very last thing that i pick because though there are some races that are i'm not going to say like it's just like real just like real life, you know no race is, is better than the other. they all have their uh specialities, but you know you could you could really play any type of race you want and still make it work and still make it fun okay but but if you're if you're looking to like be one of those guys that has to max out everything all the fucking time mid maxes and they're just like well if i'm gonna if I'm gonna play a monk, then I really should play you know a fucking uh. High elf because they get plus two to dexterity and all it's like, calm out now. Like be a fucking Goliath monk. That'd be cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or not, be a no monk. Yeah. Get in okay. there.
0: Okay. <laughs> like go go be if you want to be a like a really cool fucking character, go be a tortle monk. You know? Pick up the, some of the, the expansion books and let's let's start throwing tortles more into character creation. Sorry, I got a little bit off topic there, but <laughs> I want to see more turtles. <laughs>
1: If there's one thing to take away, he wants a party of at least four tortles fucking least. named after Renaissance. Itali oh my artists. God. If you made him a <laughs>
2: listen, if you made him a turtle monk, uh, Patty says he'd be a ninja turtle. That's it. Yep.
1: <laughs> All right. I think, uh, it's a good, I think it's a good topic of conversation to end on that point. Um, <laughs> it was a fun that,
0: podcast.
2: No,
1: I think, I think it's funny. I want to, I want to kind of hijack on what you're talking about that you go background first and it's, and, and it's, and you know, it's, to me, it's one of those. A background is really important when you come up with a character, and like, in uh, Keanu's, you know, stating he works from the class down. He comes up with a class, okay, how am I going to play it? And he looks at stats as being the least important because how the character is played, you know, you, you can figure that out with the stats. You don't have to have min/max stats to still be effective and things like that, you know. But he he still, you know, focuses on what he's going to play first, and then works down where versus you working on on just the story and then working. Down, which is which i th- i think is always also sounds like f- insanity to me <laughs> like it's like all right i have this entire fleshed out background all right um and then he was at a he was at this he's at this monastery both his parents are alive um and then he lived in a city and he uh didn't join a thieves guild but for fun he stole okay that's my rogue like and you yeah. know and dork from the backstory or like you know he's or, <laughs> he, <laughs> or to come up with a yeah parents are dead um life is miserable uh, they're, you know, they they're getting shit on. He's getting shit on. He's just nihilistic. Uh, lawful good paladin. Let's go. Like <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like, warlock.
0: <laughs> here's, here's the thing about the backstory that I that I like is. Um, I like having that 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 mostly flushed out like backstory. Like you you guys could get all the basics out of the way, and you could even throw a pretty decent amount of detail in it. But I'm not I'm also not one of those guys that enjoys writing an entire fucking book about his backstory because I want the DM to have some some type of inspiration of where is he going to take my character? Where how does my character belong?
1: Let, let me cut you off there because you're you're getting a little ahead where we're gonna go. Okay. I, I really think I these questions really lead into each other. And I'm really happy that I didn't, I might fuck up the intros and talking to people or you guys in general, but damn it. Did I lead these questions along? Well, all right, let me just suck my dick for a second. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. um, So I will get into this and you guys are going to love it because I don't pick anything. Um, I, it literally depends on if I roll really like I might want to play a monk, you know, or I might want to play a warlock or I might want to play a sorcerer and as I said I start when I started I wanted to play a spellcaster of sorts and then as it went on I picked you know what does the what does our party need you know I like to let sit back and let people pick their classes and then I pick last so I can kind of cater and and play around at the party <clears throat> oh, So <laughs> Just had to get that one out. It was a good one. By the
0: way, this drink is awful. I'm just going to put that out there. Is it is it awful? Um, yeah, but I'm still going to finish it because I've ate no pitch.
1: <laughs> a boy. Um, uh, but, you know, it sometimes sucks to cater to the party, but it's also kind of fun because I, if I have... Sometimes I'll be sitting at work and I'll think of a cool background and I'll write that down. And then I'll make a character with that background and attach it later. So technically the background came first. Or we play in a game, like we're, in the, we're like I'm like oh what do we need like our it's getting brought up a, light, a lot, getting brought fucking dick on my shit. It's getting brought up a lot tonight. But Brown Town, that uh, one shot we did where I made a barbarian with burns all over his skin, and he was wrapped up and gave him a mystery, and you know, and he he raged whenever he saw a dragon or fire or anything like that. That was. All after afterwards. That was all background after the class. Because I went, oh, we need a tank. I'll play a Barbarian. I haven't got to play one of those in 5e. After I found out what the party needed. Fuck. If I roll good enough stats, though, I will completely shift to a character that is completely dependent on stats. I am a horrible individual for this question, because I. it really doesn't matter to me. I'll do anything first. But I will say this. I will always think that the class is is the most important part of your creation because everything is going to stem down from that because it doesn't make sense to have a to have your your background be an urchin urchin and you're a rogue but you grew up with parents in a in a in a a, you know in a in a small town away from everything and lived a fine life but you're an urchin now because your background is, is essentially you know part of your backstory, and if you know your backstory is going to lead into your background, and, and a lot of backgrounds, some backgrounds just don't mesh with classes classes well. You know, if you, if you're an atheistic, um, you're an atheistic fighter, and your background is an acolyte, that and yeah, you can still make case and arguments. D anD D it's a role playing game. You can do what the fuck you want, but I think um, background is probably the most important thing. That uh, or sorry, backstory is the most important thing. Com- dependent and going down on the list Uh, but I I do agree with Keanu I think uh, stats are the least important I think you can make it it, when people don't roll amazing stats, you can still have a great time with the character, a la your tiefling warlock there Dale (laughs) you still have a lot of fun with the character and it makes things a little bit more interesting when you just don't uh, I think that was probably
0: probably one of the most fun characters I had, because he was just so fucking stupid, but he could talk his way out of fucking (laughs) anything
2: Yep. and I think so, uh, stats are something that a lot of people get hung up on because in their minds, like a lot of them come from like video game land and yep. you know you you want to have the best stats you want to min max and all that stuff but when you come to Dungeons and dragons, it's just not it's not something that's required and that can actually almost hinder you some ways.
1: you know we brought it up a couple times now, but uh just for anybody who might not know what min maxing is Maybe uh, we want to talk about that a little bit and just what um what min maxing is.
2: So min maxing is essentially when you try to uh maximize your characters like stats to be the absolute best. Uh like before basically like in lieu of like coming up with like a cool backstory and all this stuff, it's it's basically like it's kind of like in my eyes, it kind of sucks the soul out of Dungeons and Dragons because you care you care so much about like the technical like gameplay versus like the creativity and kind of like goofiness of everything. It's where basically if, you know if you're playing a if you're pl- <clears throat> if you're playing like a, a warlock for instance you know and you just pour all your points into like charisma and fucking constitution. Uh and you're you're choosing spells that do the the absolute most amount of damage and but then none of them like kind of like they're not cohesive together and I don't know, it's just in my eyes it's it's it just takes it too much too seriously. Like you it, it, it's too try hard.
1: Well this is perfect because that answers my next question. Min maxing <laughs> Yes or no.
0: Fuck no. Damn. no I th- no, I think it's, I think it is important to leave all your, your stat rolls up to chance. Like there's, obviously there's nothing wrong to say, you know, I'm play I'm playing a, a rogue and I, I need, I really need my dexterity to be a little bit high just to support my group. So, you know what, I'm going to choose uh, an elf because that gives me plus two to dexterity or I'm going to choose a hu- human variant because that gives me plus one to all of my stats. But I think that. You need to leave it up to chance more more often than not. There's no reason that that when you're rolling stats that you should be fudging rolls just to try to get you know better stats and stuff like that. Like you roll you, I mean you you roll what you roll and just place the stats how you want you know. And if you want that, um, you want your rogue to be very dexterous, then do it. Or dexterous, sorry areas. <laughs> Dexterous, then 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 fucking do it. Like if you if you get a decent role, put it in dexterity. Nobody's gonna tell you about that. But if 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 somebody sees your character sheet and you got 20s across the board, which for people who don't know and have never played Dungeons and Dragons, 20 is the highest that you could get. Um then like what's what's the fucking point? Like you're not gonna have an interesting character. You're just gonna be, you know, it takes the fun out of if you Dungeons and Dragons is about Suffering the con- like for me, a lot of it is suffering the you know the consequences of your fucking actions. If you and if you have a character that can succeed on everything, that's ridiculous, yeah. And, so, and I, so, I hate it. So, was that was just a very long way of saying no, 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 no min maxing. I hate it.
2: And I want to say here, uh, we're not shitting on people who min max. Uh, you can do whatever you want, you know, if you if you want to completely maximize every single stat to you <laughs> know to into oblivion, that's fine. But I guess what we're saying is from our perspective, it sucks. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I just
0: I just I just don't think I like you're, you're first of all, you might have fun for the for for a little bit, but if you're going on a two, three year campaign, you know, it's you have you wanna ha- be able to have fun with the people around you as well. And a lot of the time if you do that kind of stuff, the people around you are not gonna have fun.
2: I think uh like part of the <sighs> Like, when we're playing in our main campaign, some of the most funny moments are when, like, for instance, <laughs> when Nate's character <laughs> tries to do these performance checks because he's a bard, and then he just absolutely shits the bed. Yeah, and then my, so my cleric, who has, like, almost no bonuses to charisma, will just knock out these performative dances. And, interpretive and, dances. Interpretive dances, sorry. And uh, you're
0: well, you're
2: and still the show, you know. what I mean, like that sort of stuff is funny because my character is not supposed to be able to do that, and his character is supposed to be good about you know doing all these like performances. He's basically a musician, like that's his whole character.
1: And these, well, and to add on to that, it's also not critical moments. And, and this is something side story, but it also ironically brought the group a little closer together. Those funny moments.
0: Yeah, I I think another like aspect of mid-maxing you guys can correct me if you think i'm wrong you're but... wrong okay <laughs> fair enough i i i retract my previous statement i take it back please oh, okay. i want to hear it no, no i I think, I, think it. I think that another aspect of mid-maxing is people who fudge their roles i think that they are so focused on mid maxing you have this perfect character you can't see this c- character fail at any cost so there's a lot of people who will fudge their roles because of it
2: yeah, if you're like, oh, I got an 18 and a 17 and another 18, and a... <laughs> you're like,
0: well, natural 20, 20. that's Bros. my sixth one tonight. Like, yeah, like you're whatever. sus as fuck. What?
1: <laughs> well, I wouldn't call fudging rolls mid-maxing. Fudging rolls is just being an asshole. You don't yeah, have but to.
0: But I, I, think it, to do it. Oh, I, I know you don't have to be, but I think that, and I'm not like, I'm not trying to talk shit on on mid-maxers, but hey, fuck you guys. Um, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, but, like, I think that, at least in my experience, a lot of the people who had that mind, that, that state of mind of, I can't let my character fail, are the ones that are usually mid maxers and they're usually the ones who are f- fudging roles.
1: Okay. And, uh, I'm gonna add my two cents on this, and as I found, this is not gonna be a popular opinion. I actually do agree with, yes, min-maxing is acceptable. In certain situations... When the entire group goes, we're going to run a min max campaign as a team, hundred percent, and do it. If that's and that here's the thing, and this is how I look at min maxing. For some people, combat and doing the most damage and laying the pipe is the most fun they have with D anD. d They don't like the RP as much. To them, that combat I have played with the person, they're not a bad person. They're not. He's not a bad guy.
0: But yeah, fuck you, John.
1: <laughs> Just kidding. John is a horrible guy. All right, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: fucking awful.
1: I mean, it's I wish the there was worst. somebody out here, there who looked exactly like him that would play D and D with us. Like, if he had a brother named Greg by chance. Yeah. But, um, but so you know, it, it, here's the thing, and this is what always bugged me with 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 the heaviest of then maxing. So we talk about these stat rolls, right? And putting dumping your stats in the perfect spots, making your stats as wonderful as possible for exactly what you need to do like you know having super high charisma for your sorcerer and doing that is not a bad thing and nobody's trying to say that part but it's when that's your sole focus of dumping all of making your character oh top tier uh charisma top tier uh top tier constitution top tier intelligence top tier strength i can do literally everything as a sorcerer i can just lay the pipe i have 20 ac because reasons things like that and that's when it gets a little overboard, there's no, there's no, nothing to say. And and no, you know, nobody wants to dunk on anybody for wanting to make their character. You know, if you're playing a sorcerer, you want to feel like when your fireball hits, it's doing something. You're, you know, you want to feel, you know, that you can cast those spells and things like that. But there are people out there who, when they min max, we're talking, they build a paladin, that paladin, then multi classes into a sorcerer. Paladins have a feature. And this is, I'll bring it back. I promise. Paladins have a feature called Smite. It's one of the biggest things that they do. They have very few limited amount of spell slots. However, when you multiclass and say sorcerers who have the most amount of spell slots as a base character without having anything additional um, or any adjustments, say a Storm Sorcerer, then you can keep doing smites more and more. And then you also need to add extra damage on it because you're a storm sorcerer because it counts as a spell-based attack. And the rabbit hole that it goes down into, that is a disastrous min-max character. When we're level three and this person is putting out damage that a level 15 would do, we're talking 70 plus points of damage in one, one turn. And the, the reason why I don't like min-maxing unless it's agreed upon as a group ahead of time is because combat was the most miserable experience for my character. Because I designed, I made a swashbuckler rogue who was a duelist. They would, did one-on-one fights. They excelled at it. They were also charismatic and did things. The min-maxer literally destroyed every fight. Nobody really got to do anything else. We just kind of existed there to pat him on the back. And then they would intimidate or they would brush through all RP to just go straight back into combat. Now you know, when it boils down to it that, that to them is how they're having fun but to the other three of us, it fucking sucked. It was just not fun. It took all the fun out of the session, you know, and being cognizant. And min-maxing, like I said I do agree with it. I think it's fine to min-max, but whew, honestly you gotta work on it as a group ahead of time for some, because for some people it's just not fun when you I, when you steal the that. show in all combat when you brush through the rp that they're supposed to excel at and that's and minmaxers i'm not saying that all of them are like this but a lot of them tend to don't like the role playing aspect they want to go straight into combat but that, and that's something that other people enjoy you know it's it's i don't like i like rp i like combat well enough it's fun at times but i really really like rp but say Keanu really likes combat and i just keep blowing through combats talking us out of combats and never doing combat because i just roll these min max stats of talking my way out of every situation it's detracting from his fun and that's something you always want to be cognizant of it's a group game you want everybody to have a good time you don't want to show up and the dm prepares a a very hard boss who gets three shot because your min max character just wrecked it because here your your dm didn't know you min max going into it so it's min maxing is is A tenuous subject because some it's it really it is the red versus blue type deal uh, the the Halo characters of of two camps fuck min maxing min maxing is wonderful there's no in between nine times but I wanted to bring an in between perspective
0: like as as a like a DM the perspective of a DM that's that's the reason that before each like campaign or one shot I make people send me their you know their character sheets Mm -hmm. because I I want to take a look at what they're doing so that way if if I have a min maxer on i all know, okay, well, then I'm going to have to up the difficulty quite a bit. You know, yep. stuff like that.
2: Yeah, and and one thing I want to, uh, you know, just say is that I, I, I'm I not trying to, like... When I say I, I don't necessarily like min-maxing, there's a difference between, like, you know, taking your primary and secondary stats and making those your highest rolls of the ones that you got, and then, like, choosing every single advantage to bring your character to do the highest rolls and checks possible so, like, you know, if you're just dumping, you know, you're, like I said, you're a warlock and you're dumping your highest stat in Charisma, that's fine, because that's what I would do. But, like, I'm not going to choose races based on, you know, what's going to give me the highest stats and, you know, what's going to, you know, I'm not choosing feats that specifically, like, as a as a warlock, The my, my, my most recent character, Bulby, he has grappling. Like... That doesn't make sense. If you were a min-maxer, that would literally make no sense for you to choose that feed, which is why I chose it. I was like, this would be funny. Like, This is so stupid. <laughs> and... You heard it here first. He did it for the lols. But what? it came in handy. It's come in handy a couple of times. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just funny. It's funny to me when it works out that way.
1: All right. Any last attacks on min-max?
0: I think I think I got my point very very clearly that I'm a I'm one that is very much against it personally. Yep. But uh, I'll, I mean I'll play if I have to. Yeah.
1: We're hey, like this is a free form discussion of us just talking about D and D and talking about yeah. different aspects of character creation. Minimaxing is an aspect of character creation. You know, yeah, it is. Yeah. Not a popular one though. <laughs> um. Alright, so this now we're gonna change gears a little bit. We're just gonna we're just gonna shift a little bit. We're just gonna do a little shift. Guys mind if I do a little shift? A little shifty shift?
0: Sure. Bring it on. Just,
1: oh. just fucking
0: just, just fucking sit and spin.
2: Just slam on that fucking clutch boy and pop
1: oh me in a higher God. gear. <laughs> I got an eighteen wheeler about to run me over. <laughs> um I don't know what the fuck that was supposed to be. Yeah. Anyways, but <laughs> backstory. And I'm I'm gonna kick this one off because I I, I know where Dale wants to go with it. I know where Kean. I might have an idea where Kean wants to go with it a little bit. But I wanna, I'm fuck you. I'm leading it. <laughs> Hashtag in charge. Uh, how in depth should you go with your backstory? When we talk about backstory, we're talking about your character. We're talking about you make a paladin who grew up in the church who had, you know, great parents and then one day they were killed and that's what drove him to his call to adventure. Your backstory, your nuts and bolts why your character is what they are and why they're doing what they're doing, why they're out and about in the world. Or arena or prison or shipwreck if you're playing Baldur's Gate 3 Divinity Original Sin or any elder scrolls game. So um so me personally I love backstory. It is one of my favorite aspects of the char- of character building and is one of the best things a DM can get. As a DM, I love a good backstory. As a player, I love a good backstory. I love thinking about it. I love making the character. I love bringing that thing to life. But sometimes people forget that nine times out of ten, your DM is not a professional. They're typically a friend. Maybe somebody you met online. Hell, even before COVID, a convention. Not everybody has time to sit through your 17 pages of backstory that you wrote ahead of time. And I'm on your side. I get it. It's exciting. It's awesome. It is incredible. It is a really cool concept. People have lives, though. You have to understand. And, and if I have to make an appendix for your backstory, it's a little too long. I, I think there should be a small... A, I like a one-page backstory. I think it's perfect. I'm not saying you need to know every aspect of the character's life. But you know, where where they grow up, you know, how was their how was their life? Did they have parents? They grow up in the street. They grow up in a monastery. They grow up on the moon. Did they fucking get hit by a truck in Japan and now they're in a fucking izikai episode or whatever the hell it's called? Like you gotta you know you want to know like what your character came from and, and and their motivation, especially if you're DMing and getting those backstories. At least in my opinion, but you can incorporate everything. And sometimes people, players tend to forget that going forward with their DM. And sometimes players and DMs forget that. It's also okay to for your excited character to give you a lot. Like, and, and you don't have to go, fuck you, trim it down. You can, one to three pages is the most I want. But I'll also still like, I'm just going to mark a few things. But if you give me 22 pages and you get mad, I don't remember that your character's birthday was on a certain date on the third month of the year. You you can't expect that of a DM. I don't think it should ever be expected of a DM. But I I think getting a decent, fleshed-out backstory is is important. But also understanding that not everything contextually is important in your backstory. And you really should keep it to the nuts and bolts of the character. And you can flesh in with the DM, be like, hey, I have some notes on the side. I'll keep it so if I ever want to bring something up, I can bring it up to you then. I think that's a decent um run with backstories as far as that goes. Dale.
0: I personally I like it. I like it when people don't even give me a full page. This is coming from a DM aspect, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when people give me a full page. I like I like getting it down to the nitty gritty. Tell me tell me how the, your character grew up. Um and that's that's about it. Like tell me tell me what what, what brought you to where you are today. And then allow me to just like have complete creative. I, I, that's the type of DM I am. I like, I like to take a, an overarching story, and then have all these characters have their own side quests that all that all lead up into the overarching. But if somebody if somebody hands me one to three pages and they give me all the details, it makes it so hard for me to write them into the campaign and make sense, or at least write side quests for them. Because if I do one thing wrong, or if I say one thing wrong, then a lot of the time they'll be like well, that wasn't right. That's not what I had in mind for my character. And it's like, I, I you know, I, I don't know what to say. So let let me have, like, you you have full credit of creativity for your character, yes. But let me have, as the DM, the storytelling credit. Let me tell you how your your character is going to proceed up into, because you're telling me how your character got to this point in time, and now you're, like, handing that the reins over and saying, you tell me what happens next. And that's what I fucking love. And I think that's what makes the a backstory perfect.
2: Okay. Yeah, you know, I can really respect that. Um what I would say when it comes to me and writing backstories, I try i I kind of take a similar approach to Dale, I guess, but it really just depends on the DM that I'm playing with. Um, you know, coming back to D D after, you know, like a seven year break. know when i when i first made quill's backstory i didn't really i wasn't in like the groove of things um so i think i sent you like a paragraph maybe like a couple sentences um it it
1: was about three sentences yeah just shy of a paragraph
2: but it was just because i was still trying to like find my footing and stuff you know and and with like with bulby for instance i just i didn't even write anything down i just told dale like bro just make it a mystery (laughs) <laughs> but he doesn't even know what's going on like and dale was like that's perfect <laughs> Yep. but there are other times where you know i've written like you know three or four paragraphs because it was like uh you know i wanted that character to have a little bit of substance but i feel like you know i can completely understand you know how people get wrapped up in writing these super long crazy backstories you know now that i'm in the swing of D- dungeons and dragons again you know i could probably write a you know one or two page long fucking backstory for a character but you know i know most dms they want to have a little bit of freedom with working with your character so i try not to get like that invested until i start playing them and then like a lot of like of subsequent events and stuff kind of build the personality of that character that's at least how I like to approach it. So I usually will write up like a paragraph or two and then just kind of leave it up to the DM to kind of like figure out how they want to integrate that character into their story.
0: That's actually, that's actually really funny because, uh, I, I was sitting here telling you that I only like, like, give me like three or four paragraphs or even, you know, a single paragraph that gives me the basic things of how you got to the point you are. But when but I gave, what I gave, when I gave Nick Ebbo's backstory, it was like a page and a half of just stupid shit. So. <laughs>
1: Well, like I think everybody makes a character they're really excited to play, and they re- like you get something a little bit more fleshed out, you know. Like because when I made, I made my wizard. Like the backstory was he's a wizard, he's an elf. Fuck yeah! Like that was that was yeah. the main backstory. When I made uh, my second major major character, because um, we basically we started, we took a break for a year, got to high school, joined marching band. Holy shit! Marching band nerds played D anD. D Who would have thought? And we picked back up again, Um, and we started, and. um I made a cleric, you know, a little bit more fleshed out, but then I settled on my third third character, and that's the character I played all the way through high school um, up until I left uh, home around 19. I, I, you know, went out, started traveling, doing stuff. Um, I had, like, three pages on that guy. It was Talia a- Arrowsong. He is my favorite character I've ever created. He's still my number one. I took it, you know, he, I rode that motherfucker for five and a half years, took him from level one all the way to level 23. Our DM... Was awesome. He made a great fleshed out story for him. Um, you know, but I did give him a de- Like, I was like, here you go. And here's his backstory. And here's where his, de- here's what happened to his mom. Mu- but like, I also went, I don't know what happened to his dad. You know what? You figure it out. Like, that was not saying, like, yeah, like, it's your job. But like, you know what? Like, play with the story a little bit. Make some aspects of it that I don't know. You know, stuff like that. Because I don't, you know, your characters also won't know everything. Um, so, but. And it's one I one thing I want to circle back on as I talk about we t- as we talk about all this girth what's girth in the character sheet size how much you bring to the table it is perfectly okay to literally make a character and you just go um they exist that that's them that if you don't have a flesh out backstory that's also not a big issue and it's you know i i don't want to make it sound like well, you should be bring you should be fucking prepping your character ahead of time we we need at least two pages one page to make sure the character doesn't suck like now like as a DM, there's always somebody who's there's one or two people that are super pumped. They're like, here's my character background. Boom! Here you go. Here's backstory. Here's the background. Here's what they do. Here's their motivation. Badass. I love it. One person goes, I made this person. Here you go. They'll be playing. I don't really care. If you want to tie them into the story, tie them in. That's also badass. It's awesome. It's great. You know, so I don't feel pressured like you have to come up with some intricate backstory to the character, and it's something I love to talk about because I'm wholly invest in backstories and i think it's such a fun aspect but again it's not a requirement because and that's the best part about D. it's freeform you can do what the fuck you want with it
2: and i would i would add that if you're uh if you're a little nervous or anxious i guess about like you know you're starting a new character and you know you're playing maybe with a dm that you haven't played before the best thing that you could do is just ask like hey you know how much backstory do you want me to give you for this guy and they'll let you know. Like, And uh, I think that that honestly kind of helps break a little bit of the tension when it comes to like coming up with it on your
0: own. I agree.
1: And I want <clears throat> to add one last attack on backstories. And this is just something this is not really so much an opinion, but more of a, um, a veteran's notice for especially new players. Be a little mindful of your backstory when you write it. And what I mean by that is, if you're making a level one character, you probably haven't slain slain any dragons. You're lucky if you slain one giant rat at a point. Um, it's always funny that a lot of people go into D and D and they're really excited. and I understand that, and they're like, "Yeah, my guy has fought in these wars and you know killed a dragon and was a part of this and that." And then they kind of forget, like, you're level one, your your character. Um, you're probably gonna die. Like yeah. there's, it's, it's, it's a good chance. Like your guy's gonna get a shit rocked out of him by a dude drunk at the bar with his fists. Like that could happen. We, you know, like we we had one guy who had a character last all about 14 minutes in D anD D, and like that's just so. When I say be mindful, just kind of know, maybe look at the MM a little bit, maybe understand that if you're a level one character, you are a fresh faced adventurer who kind of just got started.
0: Yeah. yeah, actually, actually that's enough. an interesting point because we're, we're once we're done with uh, our main campaign, the one that's been going on for so long that we just talked so much about, we're going to be starting another very long campaign, uh, and we're taking a different aspect, a different road. So and, like, excited! We're we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to the point where like the way we're gonna start this, and I'll just kind of quickly explain it because it's gonna be more exciting once we get into it. Is we're gonna start this campaign by everybody just being straight chuds like they're gonna be peasants they're gonna be town folk they're gonna have nothing special and it's up to me to decide what their class is and what happens to them in order to lead up to them becoming this person that they are or that they're going to be that they're supposed to be and it's like we've never i i i personally have never done that and nick brought it to my intention like he's like i've always wanted to do this but i just don't want to run it because it's a nightmare <laughs> I said, well,
1: I, I want I to be on the it. receiving end of it. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't even that was the nightmare aspect. And um, I, I want to say that this is not some original idea. Uh, the person who got me into Dungeons & Dragons is my stepdad, Mark. And uh, I love that dude to death. But he, was, he used to tell me about his D&D adventures. He played back when it was just Dungeons and & Dragons. And they were excited when advanced Dungeons & Dragons came out. After five or six years <laughs> of them playing. And that was a big thing. Um, and it was something that he talked about I thought was a really cool aspect. Their group, you know, because D&D is so fluid and freeform, they start out as what's uh, called level zero commoners. You'll hear that term commoners or anything like that. So, and I don't want to rush too much into it, but you have your stats, right? Uh, strength, dexterity, wis- uh, constitution, wisdom, intelligence, and charisma. Your baseline is 10. 10 is, the, is, is considered average. Anything above 10 is above average or exceptional or amazing anything below 10 is considered below average or horrendous you know if you you know if you have a character with a negative one or a, a you know like six strength they probably are missing an arm or something like that it kind of gives you an aspect of the character or they're just extremely weak they're going to roll negative stats so when you roll an 18 you're going to take you know two away from it or however many but when you start as a commoner you're just zeros nothing for you nothing against you um so it's always an interesting concept to start, and I, I know you didn't want to go too much into it. And I, I, you know, I'll, I'll uh, cut that cut it off here shortly, um, but it is it's something really, really interesting. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, so that's that is uh, one of those things. Um, and then, uh, and this I'm is very, all- very
0: excited. I'm very I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you finish. I'm just very excited about it. I think it's going to be, it's going to bring a fresh new, uh, it's going to take something that we love and we, we're just so passionate about, which is Dungeons and Dragons, and um, it's going to give us a whole new aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. And who knows how fucking long just that intro is going to be? You know, how long are you guys going to be commenters for? You know, I it's like because because it, it's not only going to be me to decide what you guys become, but it's also. In a way, going to be you because your choices are going to lead to what you become, mm-hmm.
1: which I think is going to be such. It's it's going to be really fun because it's just the chaos of oh you're a com- oh and I didn't even finish the part. Let me <laughs> let me finish that. So basically, Mark and them, their party would all start out as commoners and do what we're doing. They would and their DM would make that pick their classes. And then they, then if you survived, you made it through your character then was, you know, they kind of like they, they talked and they were able to convince a wizard to take them under their, uh, as an apprentice, you know, eight years later that ca- then they roll their stats and they make the character and they actually flesh it out. Now they're a level one, they yeah. learned the basics and now they're pressing forward in the class and that's something we're going to do. So, you know, and it's the example I gave to like Dale, but let's just say like you get killed and you don't want, you know, your character doesn't want to die and then uh, you know you see nothing but darkness, and you ask, and but then you hear a voice say, "I can save you." Oops, we got a warlock now. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: because your patron brought you back. Things like that, and it's it can be it's going to be random, chaotic, but something that's more
0: paladin, different. depending on who the patron is. Or dude, dangerous. there's
1: no reason. There's no there's no you seeing darkness, and somebody being like, "Hey, kid, I can bring you back. I'm lawful good. Don't worry about it. All right, come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't need your soul enough. Hey, Just who's the d- this is the best this is the best part of uh, of Dungeons and Dragons is who's the fucking DM? Who's the fu- I'll I'll tell you if if it's a fucking uh paladin or not. T- <laughs> you're gonna come back as a fucking monk. That's it. Oh, God. <laughs> you're gonna see darkness and come back as a monk.
1: Oh, my worst nightmare. <laughs> what do you plan to do? I don't know, punch a lot. Alright, nailed it. <laughs> Welcome to level twenty.
0: You're gonna you're gonna um uh, you're gonna see darkness and then you're just gonna you're gonna come back as another commoner.
2: Oh fuck! That would, <laughs> just have that would literally be the far worst.
0: <laughs> Actually,
1: you know, you know, what I thought was worse is you see darkness and you come back and then you're a baby and when everybody else is level one, you have to be a commoner again and earn your class. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, it'd be miserable. Okay, anyways, um, uh, we'll we'll get try to get back on track. Uh, but that that's down the pipe after we finish uh, the current main campaign, which is coming back September fifteenth. <laughs> so fucking excited. Um, I've been doing prep ahead of time. I got a t- shitload of stuff already prepped, so it's gonna be super
0: awesome. I imagine that when we come back on the fifteenth, it's gonna be uh, a longer than average, uh, like just episode or or session. I should say
1: uh, most likely. I'm not why lie. Like I, I want to pretend like it will, it won't be, but it will be. I might have to take the day off the next day. I might, have to, might have to be sick. So,
0: hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're responsible adults. <laughs> um, sorry, I
0: can't get me to work. I was playing Dungeons and Dragons all night.
1: Bro, honestly, my boss pre- probably be like fucking typical. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, what are you you played it bad, didn't you?
1: <laughs> bro, I did and now I'm feeling attacked. Alright? <laughs> how you how did you know? Was it did, was it the everything about me that gave me away? Yeah. <laughs> um and then I wanted to as a last note on backstory, it's something we've talked about a lot. But with the character backstory is is a big thing, can be a huge aspect of the character. Um, is uh, don't be afraid to talk to your DM. We we talked on it, so I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to beat the dead horse too much. But your DM, and this is something that will probably always get brought up week to week, is is your DM is your lifeline to the story and to the game, always. I would always recommend talking to them about any big changes, um, anything you're hesitant about. You're s- explaining rules, any spe- you know specifics they're going to have, things like that. And you know, keeping, letting the DM have a have a hand on the pulse of the party, of what you guys are doing, where your characters come from, backstories, classes, everything in between. It only helps your DM and the and, and helps the game as a whole move smoother and better. So you know, always, always. Um, talk with your DM if you can. If it's something you think they need to know, or something that you want to figure out, you know, don't ever be afraid to ask your DM. And if you can't ask your DM, get a new one, because fuck that guy. They're clearly not working for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, if you have something that you you walk up and say, you know, I've been really thinking about doing this, but I just don't know if this will, like, line up in your world or in your your story, like, just ask. You know? And I'm sure we can make it work, or we can figure something out. Or we'll just flat up say, you know, that's that's really doesn't line up with your actual backstory, like what you're trying to write. So maybe save that for a different character.
1: Yeah, we can't make it work now, but maybe later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> um. So, sorry. Go ahead. You I was just,
0: gonna say, what's what's next, Daddy?
1: <laughs> I'm not Daddy. I'm Mommy. We've talked. About. I was just gonna
2: say, uh, after this question, we should probably just take a little break because we're almost uh, an hour in already. So.
0: All right, so but I'm gonna continue drinking this horrible drink.
1: (laughs) So uh, okay, I guess that's my cue to keep talking. Uh, (laughs) As he grips, it's so bad. It's so bad. He's gripping it with two hands. My favorite part. It's like it's like he's afraid. If one hand, he's just gonna drop it and and shame himself.
2: Mine was scrumptious, dude. Mine's all gone.
1: (laughs) That's why you want to fucking stop. You want to get a refill. (laughs) Actually, you know what? Why don't we? Why don't we take a fiver? Let's do this. Let's just do it now. No, no,
0: no. no. Keep going. I, I want to finish my drink before we go. Ask one more question. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sip on this. So
1: <laughs> we've talked a lot about backstory, but now I want to backtrack into backgrounds. Your background is a, a developmental thing in fifth edition that you pick and you get certain boons, maybe an extra language, maybe uh certain aspects uh, like, like, you know, um, you know, knowing certain members of a mercenary faction, if you're a soldier, by chance. You know, things in that vein. And I just want to ask, and this is a pretty short and sweet one, what do you guys... Is there a background you guys like the most? Or is there something you tend to pick a lot?
2: Yep. I'll, I'll start on this one. Um, Go ahead. The background I choose the most is Haunted One. Uh... I don't know why I love it so much, but uh, there's something in that background that basically states that uh, your character, like, <clears throat> the, the common folk of the cities that you enter will attempt to help you in any way they can based on the pain they can see in your eyes. Uh, nope. And they said it's <laughs> like, it, it says that it can be out of pity or out of fear, and I love that. I don't know what it is, but I always choose like if I have the option to, if it if it goes with my character, I will almost always choose haunted. Chud was haunted one, Bulby's haunted one. Like I just I don't know what it is, but uh unless I'm playing like a spellcaster, sometimes I'll go Acolyte, but most of the time it's just straight up haunted.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dale. Uh more often than not I go criminal contact, believe it or not. And I will. T- I have an actual decent reason as to why I do that, and that is because it's a cheat code for fucking Dungeons and Dragons. And I'll say this because, basically, without like actually reading the full description, it's basically anywhere. Anywhere you go, you have, uh, you know where the shady underbelly of the city is. You know where there are people who can find certain other people for you or answer questions for you. And and stuff like that. So it's like if the DM is throwing something and we don't know how to progress the story, I can just say, "Hey, DM, let me st- let me pull you off to the side. Does anybody here look like sh- like with my with my criminal contact background? It says that I would I would know exactly who to talk to in any city I go to. Where's that person? And I can ask questions. <laughs> you know, it's it's a cheat code for Dungeons and Dragons, and I fucking love it. It helps progress story, but it also like um, just makes you feel like you're. Even if you don't have a whole lot to offer the party in a certain in a certain aspect, because like for Ebo, for example, he's not great with people. Like I have to play this character because his charisma is so low that I have to play a character that's like I can't talk to people. So there, but there is one person I can for sure talk to, you know. So I can feel a little bit helpful uh, in those types of situations.
1: That's a really logical way to use that. And I also, as as you're explaining, I was like, "You son of a bitch! You cheat coded my fucking game." I <laughs> did, <laughs> but you
0: but cheat-coded. don't you notice? Don't you notice that it's not every city that we go to that I use it? It's only those ones where I'm like, "Oh man, this, I have no idea what we're gonna do."
1: Yeah. Well, to be fair, I did like that. I was uh, it worked well for the story for what we were doing, and it made contextually made a lot of sense. So, like you know, I wasn't I was not mad about it. But now that I know your fucking hand dirty little Dirty little trick. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop it. You know, like you know, there there are DMs who get met. actually. Uh, believe it or not, just sidebar for a second. I'll and I'll answer my question. I read something on the D and D subreddit. Um, there was a guy talking about how his uh, he made a like a a um, it's a certain cl- uh, subclassed bard, and basically uh, the DM because he was so good at speaking. Made the roles for him specifically, him only higher, and that made me so mad. (laughs) Like I was, yeah, that's that's fucked up. Such a shit. Like here's the thing: there's a key difference when it's like Nate. When Nate walks up and he tries to make a prostitution ring while casting while casting spells that fail, of course the DC is going to be higher because he has disadvantages from the spell the spell kept failing and things like that or like you walk up to a king let, let, well let's not use Nate an example he's a terrible bard I hope he's listening <laughs> uh, he's not I, I love him I just like to give him shit um, but let's say you know there's a difference between your your eloquent bard walking up to a noble on the street and able to you know uh, deceive him into thinking you're noble as well because you're well dressed and, and getting your way in there that makes sense and there should be no nothing detracting you f- you know, from nothing detracting or making the roll higher just because. There now you walk up to the king and you say, This is my fucking kingdom now, and you roll like, oh, I rolled a forty-five. does there's, there's no world where the dude's like, Oh fuck, you're so charming. Here you go. Here's yeah. the crown. Here's everything. There's a there's you know, a lot and of- like, sorry, and me. like a DC like that would be would be near impossible because that's impossible you know near impo- impossible unless you have divine intervention nobody's just going to willingly give up an entire kingdom just because you talk real good at them
0: yeah there's actually a lot of times I thought I not why I'm not going to say a lot of times but there are times that I decide as a DM like this role does not make sense for what is going on in, t- in this, this part of the story and so there's times that I'll just let people roll but I don't even set a DC I'm just like you know, because the misconception especially among new people is I just rolled a natural 20. That means I have to succeed. That natural 20 does not mean you actually, like, you you automatically succeed. And that's that's a common misconception. So, like, there's times where I won't even set a, D- a DC because I know that this is an impossible task, but I'm going to make you feel stupid for fucking rolling it.
1: <laughs> yep, I do the same thing, but sometimes with a nat 20, depending on the situation, I'll let it oh, It's one of those it's... <laughs> If you've ever seen Community, it's, Ch- it's Chang sitting there in the sombreros going, "I'll allow it," just like "fuck it, let's see where this goes," like yeah. you know. So there's a there's a key difference, and like Dale said, I will not, and I do the same thing. I'll just be like, "Okay, go ahead and roll," in my head going, "You're never there's nothing. The, the DC is four billion. Good luck." Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's and let's uh, I'll pull us back um, and I'll close out our background discussion. The background, I think. I or the background I use the most. The background I think is one of the best. Um, I actually really and and this is one I just started using. I really enjoyed Soldier. It has a lot of good benefits to it, and especially depending on your campaign, you kind of like it's like say like you're doing a um, Baldur's Gate kind of Swords of the Coast campaign. Being a, a soldier of the Flaming Fist, a mercenary, you kind of have a contact in every city, and kind of goes back to the criminal contact, you know, list. But you also had you no know, rank structure, and this is per the per the background. And you know, rank structure. You also have a skill that you learned that now is so. Like my character Wrath, I picked one that wasn't great, but I'm great at cooking. Like, um, so like, but he learned that as a student of war. And you can pick different like little skill sets that adds into the character. And I, I actually was shocked at how enjoyable being a soldier was, and it also makes your fighter or whatever character a little better background. Like if you don't come up with backstory, it kind of helps a DM too, or helps you because you go, okay, well they were a soldier, so I'll play them kind of like a soldier. What I think a soldier would be, what what they worked as, or maybe they like I hate they didn't like being a soldier, that's why they're not one anymore. They're gonna be a complete drunk asshole because that's how I want it to be. So I think. Right. For, especially for newer players, it's a really great baseline background. It's in the PHB, it's pretty easy to pick up, and it gives you a lot of nice little boons right out of the gates and contacts and situations in a lot of big cities or even uh, at military camps. Huh. So, And on that note, let's take a break.
2: You guys, we'll be right back.
1: So we've touched on backstory, background and this is something we talked about a little bit this week, so I don't want to spend I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but classes. And we talked about what we think uh, people's as a refresher. We talked about what we thought people's easiest class, what we thought was the easiest class to dive into. But when you're creating characters, is there a class you kind of find yourself climbing back towards every now and again, or even quite often? Um, and you know, do do you personally have a favorite class, like a class that you just unabashedly love, and a class What's your what's your favorite class and what's your least favorite? What's the class you fucking hate? And you can even go as far as um class and the subclass if the if you hate something very specific in a in a class is set. Um, um why you kick us off. Oh, oh, yeah, oh never mind.
2: No, you're fine. You're fine. I was just there was <laughs> silence and I wanted to take advantage of it, but go ahead, Dale.
0: um, um Well, I know we I know we kind of talked about this last week and like my love for warlocks and i'll always love warlocks is because uh i'm a very i i love like that's the best part about dungeons and dragons' is rp blah 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 we've we went over this um to be honest i can't think of a single class that i hate and that's because every class is very su- i mean maybe gunslinger <laughs> like that's because not really
1: canon all right fuck them anyways wait are they canon now
0: they are canon now oh
1: fuck my ass
0: they <laughs> with say with, with blood blood hunters or whatever they're fucking called which hunters? No. no, no. I think that It's like a. It's an actual like blood hunter. I think it's called or blood demon or no, not demon, blood hunter. Hey, yeah. Um. Well, not really. But not really, or really. like. I I can't say I, I I really can't say that I hate any classes like.
2: Well, instead of like classes that you hate, what about the class that you like the least?
0: Yeah. What What
1: class you just you just don't really want to play? It just doesn't interest you. It is not a vibe. It's not. You don't uh, like to buy what they sell. It does not get your dick hard. I'm
0: going to cast some shit for this, but Druid. Druid, I have zero interest in. Ooh, that is actually
1: shit. This is shit. This is why I wanted to bring this up, because I knew this is yeah. what was going to happen, because we didn't go into this part.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have, I mean, I don't mind Druids. I think that they're, like, I, I love all the classes. I, I don't think that there's a single bad fucking class, uh, but the class that I'm least interested in playing myself is Druid. I just have I just have zero interest in wild shape. Um I just have zero interest in um big uh, uh like I don't if I want to be a tank I'll choose barbarian or or whatever, but like I just I just have zero interest in it.
1: Keanu do you have a retort to anything he said or do you just wanna move into what you wanna say?
2: I mean no, it's his opinion's valid, it's fine. <sighs> Is wrong, but <laughs> there it is. I'm just joking. There it I'm is. just joking. No, honestly, I I can I can see where you're coming from with that. I, I actually when I play druid, I don't I don't uh, wild shape at all ever. I hate it. Um, I play a very uh, tactful, uh, just CC buff Healy druid. I don't uh, I don't like to shape shift shit. Um, I would say. At this point, my favorite class to play, I think I said it last week, but I'll say it again, is Cleric. Just because they're so versatile. Um, it's For me, it's easy to kind of RP them. Um, you have a lot of access to a lot of spells. You can still do melee, um, and you have like turn undead, destroy undead, stuff like that. in your channel divinities as well. So there's a lot of versatility that comes with the Cleric, and I really, really, really like that my least favorite class is fighter there's fucking they're so vanilla like (laughs) they're only
1: but i'm sorry i gotta i gotta wait i gotta wait
2: i just uh, like unless you pick a specific subclass you know fighters are just like let me do some damage that's all i could do hee hee i'm like fuck off
1: i'm mm, mm. are you done sure because i have i have some heavy opinions First off, (laughs) first off, every look, it's D and D is a versatile game, but you're wrong. And here's my fucking seventy-two point thesis on why you're wrong. That's right, I'm going straight Martin Luther on your ass. Okay. So my opinion on this is fighters are only as vanilla because you made them vanilla. You could make a better archer as a fighter than a ranger by picking out a fighter that specializes in archery that then takes a champion perk and then is a subclass samurai who could literally do he could like fire off four shots with advantage out of seven total shots
0: wow that's really was, cool for a mid-maxer
2: yeah that's, that's one a- <laughs> i was getting ready to say the same thing that's a that's some of the mid-max you would say and also two that's when just not
1: mid-maxing min- motherfucker. when i say that the vanilla right?
2: the- when i say the vanilla i mean in regards to rp like there's not, like... You have to do a lot more of the heavy lifting with role playing, you know?
1: I, I, I don't find that very true, because, like, like, Rath's a fighter. Do you think he's
2: very... Oh, yeah. What don't you ask say me about that, that about your character. Because <laughs> you don't
1: have the balls to admit it. I, I just think, fair. like,
2: Rath's whole backstory... Like, not backstory, but, like, his whole well, you personality... you don't know any of his backstory. Right, right. But his whole personality is just... He just runs on nothing but emotion. Like...
1: So you're saying that he's not vanilla and he's somewhat unique.
0: <laughs> he's like a, he's like a Neapolitan.
1: <laughs> to be fair, he does fuck Neapolitan type creatures. That's kind of his yeah. job. <laughs> well,
2: I just mean, I, like, for me, this is just my opinion. I I think that fighters are like just too. I don't know. They're like too bread and butter for me.
1: Too bread and butter. Look, okay. Here's what I like to equate because this—the thing is—it's not you, just you. A lot of people really don't like fighters. It's a very common opinion in the D and D world. And and I, I equate—I don't know if you're gonna like this or not, but I'm going with it anyways. I equate fighters to missionary. Everybody shits on missionary, but you know what? It does exactly what you needed to do. It is a staple in everybody's diet, and everybody still needs to use it every now and again. Okay, so it is <laughs> the fighters are the missionary of the D and D world. Change my mind. <laughs>
0: That's going to be a tweet.
1: Thanks.
2: I'm actually going to tweet that out right now. While you give your answer.
1: Everybody dunks on it, but it, like I said, like it, it, you know, fighters are also a very easy pickup class does. And the, and you can make them unique. You can make them vanilla. They ha, can be, they could fire a boat with their toes and they specialize in archery and they're still a fucking fighter. You know what I mean? Like, the i would i would argue past editions fighters were much more vanilla but the current ones especially fifth edition you have a lot more versatility with them you can really make it your own thing you can specialize in archery you specialize in uh, great great weapon fighting you specialize in sword and shield fighting you can uh be a champion you can be a battle master you can just there's suit you can be a um an eldritch knight uh have the spellcasting behind it. There is so much with a fighter that you can do and 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 be, and your backstory can be anything because anybody from any walk of life can pick up a blade and become a fighter, which I think adds to their uniqueness. I'm not again this is not you specifically, but this is it is a really common thing in the D like it's in the DD verse that everybody kind of just dunks on fighters. And I am and this is my unpopular opinion, but I f- my favorite um my favorite class to play the class I seem to pick a lot is Rogue. I really love playing Rogues. Yeah, rogues, too. rogues have such a heavy versatility um, when it comes to uni- uniqueness. The only thing I don't like about them is they're almost a necessity in Dungeons & Dragons. You don't really have any other character that can pick locks or really is great at doing that task. Um, yeah, see... Uh, Buddhist Beast is backing me up. Fighter can now specialize in fighting things with different fighting techniques. Like I said, when and this is, again, not you, but it, I, I would recommend looking into fighters a little bit more and seeing all the things that you can do with them now, especially... And I will say, and I agree that with the regular PHB, they were not super versatile. It was like, okay, I can be an Eldritch Knight, I can be a Battle Master, or I can be a shitty Champion because it's a garbage subclass.
0: Fight well, since since we're on this, since we're on the subject, my favorite my favorite type of ice cream is vanilla ice cream with vanilla sprinkles on it and a little bit of like vanilla like sauce or something. Why are you the way you are? <laughs> like a vanilla syrup is is dope,
1: but um, I will say i'm gonna jump back to the rogue part i love playing a rogue because you can make a charismatic rogue like my swashbuckler rogue i made that guy uh have an alter ego as a noble and he has great on deception he can do great skill checks he can do he can use magic items he can lock pick he can disarm traps i really love how unique um rogues can be and you can really flesh out the backstory because they're a really unique character you can make them the, the cat burglar type you can make them an arcane trickster or they're kind of an illusionist mixed with you know the um, with the subtlety and, and striking of a rogue an assassin always edgy but fun to play um, so I really love rogues and now this is where it might get a little heated my least favorite of all are warlocks I think they are dug into the dirt a bit <laughs> I know I know um
0: I think it's really they, funny that that just just pointing this out before you continue is that we all are like least favorite t- classes are some of uh, the other people in our group's favorite class. I know like, that's why I want to bring it. Keanu loves <laughs> druid. I'm not a fan. You, he, you love fighter. He's not a fan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love warlock. <laughs> you're not a fan. <laughs> we, we are
1: we are exactly what a rock paper scissors is made of. All right, <laughs> but. Like my, my whole thing with warlocks is they just don't have a sustainability past like eighth level. And like we said, RP is RP is great, but at a point like if you're part of a smaller group and a warlock just isn't putting out any help. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, I cast my three spells. I'm super situational and I and I made one mistake this time doesn't mean anything it's not anything on me, it's just a design of the class. So I just it, think to it be it, fair, it most, can hold back at party.
0: Yeah, to to be fair, most warlocks after they hit about level 10 or 11 they some they'll start like multi-classing into sorcerer or paladin or something that just gives them a little bit more to but, kind of keep up with the rest of the party
1: but then to me that's a failure if your care if you can't take a character class from 1 to 20 and you have to force it to be to stay useful not to it not to itself but to the to be useful to the party i think it's a failure in design of the class I, I think that really and that really, you know, a lot of people get into warlocks because of the flavor of them because of like, oh, well, like, oh, um, uh, my, you know, I sold my soul to a great old one or I, you know, am a patron to this fae who owed, who I was tricked into service because I, I owed them a favor. You know, things like that are really interesting. And, and warlocks are and I will say this chef's kiss, the best RP type characters of uh, baseline ever. The, oh, I would say the next up is probably clerics because your god can have an active effect in the things you do especially at like level 10 and level 20 your your, your dd reaches their grubby little hands into the world at level 20 and she goes all right time to shift the balance of existence you know so and warlocks are are and especially to uh, new players they look at them and they go oh this is really fucking cool like i can sell my i can sell my soul i can have all these different aspects i can have a better attack power and really kind of make this character unique but in the long run, that character, unless they multi-class or figure something or get really lucky, outside of RP, and even then they're not are they're not the talker. They can be, but what if your party has a bard? Guess what? You're not even the best at, at the charisma checks anymore. As the as the time goes on, your bard is going to beat you out nine times out of ten with jack of all trades.
0: I think that I think that you have some, you make some valid points, but I also think that uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Wizard of the Coast, they are. They they know this. They they see that that plea, and I think that they. I watched a video saying that they were actively within the next upcoming few books. They are actively working on changing the, the full dynamic of warlocks so that it is more effective.
1: Yeah, I mean, so. but it's when you balance out when you balance this out and make things, you shouldn't have to do giant leaps like this years after an edition was released. I would say rangers and warlocks are their biggest failures, but that's a. Talk for another day
0: and it's, and it's also an opinion, so which is fine.
1: but if they're change- if they had to change both classes, it's not a it, I have I have stats
0: I mean it's, um, it, regardless, yeah, I'm just no, glad that they're going to be it, doing something big, about it.:
1: yeah, and I hope they just make them better in the long run, so people can really run their warlocks how they want, and if you want if you want to multiclass with them, hell yeah, do it. but I just think it sucks for somebody who makes a character, and then the long term, like it's like, uh, I'm kind of useless now you know, and, and you don't want to leave the character behind, but you kind of run out of options. Um, all right. So, let's see. And the last stuff, I want to, unless anybody has any attacks on uh, classes or anything like that I want to talk about today.
0: Uh, My buddy says, is it because a rager has to be raged? Well, that's the best part. Is a ranger does not have to be ranged. They do not.
2: Yeah, no, they can they can dual wield melee weapons. They could.
1: They can
0: have a
2: beast that help fight for them. Yeah, when you think like a ranger in my in my head, think of it more like a um, like a scout. Or think of like Aragorn. Aragorn. Aragorn,
1: yeah, is, yes. a <laughs> yeah. Aragorn a- a- is a ranger. Yeah,
2: Aragorn is a Xenodyne ranger in Lord of the Rings, and that's essentially where they got all of their inspiration for the ranger classes. Yeah, he can yeah, shoot a bow. Yeah, he can pull out two swords and fuck somebody up.
0: Like he's literally in, in Fellowship of the Ring. He's literally called Strider the Ranger. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like- <laughs> Strider the Do
1: No dine Ranger. Yep. Like and it's like oh, and like the thing that doesn't get talked about enough in the movie, it was it was it was in the extended edition. But when he like his horse saves him when he falls off the cliff in two towers, he does he does an animal handling check to get the horse to like. Get him and take him the rest of the way. I know that's that's kind of stretching, but he does talk to the horse and things. He does that throughout the films. Uh-huh. He talks, he like, an elvish will will do things with animals and kind of yep. mostly horses. But that is an aspect of, of a ranger is animal handling.
0: But uh, so so w- what? My plan is for future podcasts. I don't want to dive too too much into each individual classes. Yeah, because my my plan is for like. Several episodes to go one by one and just like break down the fucking class. Like, so yeah. one day we'll, we'll one podcast or one episode we'll do barbarian and it'll be a barbarian episode and we'll just talk about barbarians, subclasses, multi-classic barbarians, all this stuff. What makes barbarians great?
1: Can we? Yes.
0: We yeah, should. absolutely.
1: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But that is actually something, and I'll talk about at the end of the podcast or probably off the podcast. Um, anyways, all right, the last thing I want to talk about, and this is the last part of character creation that's always so big stats. Stats, stats, stats. Your strength, your dexterity, your constitution, your intelligence, your wisdom, your charisma. I don't, again, I know we don't want to delve too much into these.
0: No, let's delve. Well,
1: I don't want to delve too much into them because I I figure at a point we'll probably talk a little bit more about them. But there is something I did want to throw out there and something I was kind of curious. Do you guys have a a go to dump stat? Is there something you kind of always just throw just every single time? I've got two. Kick it.
2: So when I'm doing stats for my character, I always go in this order. Okay. No matter what I'm playing, he goes primary stat constitution than dexterity. And that's just the way it is because your primary stat is going to be, you know, whatever, whatever you like, if you're a spell caster, it's going to be your, your spell, save DC or your bonus or whatever. Then you dump points in constitution to get extra hit points and dump points into dexterity to get better AC. Blam.
1: Boom. shakalaka. walker.
2: Yep. Sometimes I'll do main stat then dexterity then constitution just because the higher AC to me is more important than having more hit points. But it also kind of just depends on what kind of class I'm playing.
0: I think it also depends on the class. I um, always go primary stat first and foremost and then I'd go dexterity. 100% of the time. I'll always go primary stat then dexterity and then Usually, it's usually Constitution, but if it's like, uh I no, I take that back. It's usually Constitution. So it's primary stat, dexterity, Constitution. That's a hundred percent of the time.
1: Okay, but but like you don't like your dump stat. Like, is it like,
0: oh, oh, like like the one that I that I just yeah.
1: Like, what's the one you typically go? All right, done. Like like if, if like nine times out of ten, even if the character kind of needs it you're still like who gives a shit like
0: throw i think i think i think i showed you that my dump stat with (laughs) Thidos was intelligence at that point unless unless i'm playing wizard it's intelligence yeah i was
2: gonna say unless the class demands intelligence it's either intelligence or strength depending on if it's a spellcaster versus a melee (laughs) so my my melee characters always have really shit intelligence and then my spellcasters if they're you know if it's not obviously if it's a wizard no but uh, usually like the strength is just dog shit
0: yeah Yeah, I usually rely on the rest of the party to do the whole strength aspect of of things because there's usually nine times out of ten there's usually a barbarian in there or or a fighter fighter. yeah Yeah, so they'll they'll take care of the strength checks and stuff for us that's why
1: they're the missionary of D&D
2: Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> hey, I just said they were vanilla, not that it was bad. I know, I, I know,
1: I know. I'm kidding. Um, but no, it's... um, I, I actually love the fact that you guys agree on this, because here I come with the alternating opinion. Alternative opinion. <laughs> Apparently my opinion's gonna fucking catch in a car. Um, I do agree with, with the uh, Buddhist down there who's saying charisma. Charisma is actually typically my go-to dump stat, unless it's a class-dependent. Um, I am somewhat. I've been told I'm somewhat charismatic in real life. I talk a lot, um, and I have a tendency to go overboard. But in D and D, I like to pull back, and it's almost a way to force myself to pull back because I'm not charis. The character's not charismatic, so I need to pull back a little bit. It's like almost like my own little governor switch. Like, hey, hey, this character has shit charisma. Don't get yourself into this just because, you know. And like, it's it's something that helps me a little bit, especially when I want to when we were growing up and playing D and D, I was kind of the voice of the party and I do have a tendency to do that, but I don't want to do that every time when, you know, I want other people when they create their characters, you know, if they have a talky bard, I don't want to be the fucking, you know, negative two barbarian. Who's like out of the way, I got this, you know, yeah. and just, and, and step on their fun. So I use it almost as like a governor and like pull back, but typically for me, it's char- it's charisma or wisdom. Those are typically the two dump stats. Unless it's a main, unless it's a prime staff or something like, uh, you know, like a uh, druid or um, a cleric, I'm like, and even then with them, I'm dumping charisma and hell. Sometimes I'll just dump wisdom because yeah, fuck wisdom.
0: The I can I can honestly say that it's been a real challenge playing Ebbo mm-hmm. for the past year and a half or y- year or whatever it's been.
1: Year for you, two years for the others.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a real challenge because i I'm fairly charismatic i'm fairly open i'm fairly like can figure things out i can I can fly by the seat with my pants and i can you know we could just go with this but with Ebo, I actually have to take a step back because he is so bad with people like he's it's like negative water negative two charisma, and it's just like that is so bad i like i can't be the voice of anything I can barely talk to the party at this point you know so it's it's been a real tough. But it's been fun. It's it's been fun being that because like John, our ranger, also has terrible charisma. So w- if you get me and him into an RP session together, and we both like RP our characters correctly, and it's just a one-on-one time, it's the most awkward conversations in the world, and I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> like the time I like the time I drew his girlfriend, um, a picture of his girlfriend that I've never met or seen before, and it's like a I stick figure. And it's- how awkward it is it? I was just like. So well, uh, here you go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit!
2: I'm You're like the kid in
1: third grade who didn't make friends in first and like just trying to yeah. figure it out. <laughs> here you go. Bye. It just says yes or no. Circle one on the bottom. Question. Yeah, mark. yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. Um, do you want to be friends with me? Check yes. Check no. <laughs> and then, and then I hand, and then I have to hand it to Quill to hand to John so yeah. that you know.
1: Uh, that was actually one of my favorite moments with you guys. I love uh, when you guys do the RPs like that, especially with how comfortable the group's gotten over two years, but uh, yeah, I don't want to uh, dive too much into it. Um, but yeah, I mean... Um,
0: September 15th, baby! Baby! Yep.
1: Uh, to pull it through, um, do you guys have any last things on character creation? Any aspects of it? Anything we've talked about or haven't talked about you'd like to bring up?
0: Yes, this is a major one, though. Go ahead. So this this is gonna be this is gonna be a fucking discussion, okay? Because it has it has it has a lot to do with not so much character not so much character creation, but sure. characters in general. And since we're slowly gonna get off the topic of of characters and more into the world building and stuff like that, and classes and all this stuff, I want to talk. Finally, I want to talk about permadeath in D&D. Oh shit!
1: Yeah, sorry. Not that wasn't oh was shitting you. I threw a bone at the wall. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I want to talk oh, about no, no context, Just move on. I want, to, <laughs> I, want to, I want to talk permadeath. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. What is I I know personally everybody's opinion on permadeath. But I want to hear it from you guys and I want everybody else to hear it. Permadeath in D. If your character dies, they're permanently dead. It doesn't matter if it's a, ca- a new campaign, you can't bring that character back. Why do we do it? and why, like, yeah, just made it mainly, why do we do it?
1: Keanu, you want to go, or do you need a minute?
2: Um, I can uh, go. Uh, Unless you have something prepared, go ahead.
1: I, ha- I, mean, I, ha- I always have a little bit prepared on everything with this, with it, with this shit. Um, so, and here's my thing with Permadeath. I think resurrection, and true resurrections, should be an aspect I don't think they should be readily available um, in my world. I make it difficult. You know, I accidentally got tricked by these fuckers to giving them a diamond so they could do it. Our, uh, Keanu plays the cleric in our campaign, and he knows resurrection. So in d and I think making a character and playing the game is incredible. and It's a great time. But I also think there needs to be a risk and reward. You you are playing something that can die, a creature that might pass. You're telling a story, it's supposed to be, you know, heroes and everything else in between, you know. And there's supposed to be some heartbreak along the way. There's no story. There's no story that hasn't ended in some sort of heartbreak or another. Even Disney films, you know, you know, Bambi's mom got shot in like the first twenty minutes, you know. Um, you know, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame still had the Hunchback at the end that uh, never got resolved. Um, you know, things like that <laughs> are kind of important. And, but I think having actual moments of death really adds weight to the story. I never look, and I want to specify this. I never look to kill somebody's characters as a DM. I, I, DMs that say like, my job is to kill the party. And I did say that for a, w- a long time, but that's really not true. Your job is to challenge the party. You want to make the encounters difficult but you should never go into it and be like, all right, I'm going to kill them with this fucking encounter. I'm going to murder them into the ground dead. You, there should always be some sort of option. a worker, they could, You should never put them in a winless situation and then go, you guys didn't have fun? You should always have the option to run away, to fight, to, you know, to uh, escape into a, a portal, into the next dimension. To p- hit their knees and pray to their patron to pull them and the party out. And it happens. I mean again this is my opinion you don't actually have to do any of it but I th- I think a winless scenario is the worst situation for any for any type of uh storytelling but that being said sometimes you have to do that to breast the story however the weight of death after heavy situations and challenging situations has such a bearing and ref- and, and really hits the party it hits your players you know, and it, and people don't want to lose their characters. Some do. Some are absolute psychopaths. Or like, I rolled a new one. Get rid of this guy. Like, and throws themselves in every situation. But um, one aspect I uh, really liked, um, and something that I do in our current campaign is when our our characters die, they have op an option to just stay dead. Um, you know, your 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 resurrection spell does not. It says a willing creature. Is resurrected. It does not mean that uh, just because you know you killed this person or your friend died, that they come back automatically. They have the choice, and this actually happened with Dale's character Ebo. Um, the rest of the party doesn't know, but Keanu's is finding out now. You're welcome. Um, knew. He, he oh, okay.
0: <laughs> we talked so, about it a little bit without like too much meta. I didn't really tell him what, what happened though. Gotcha.
1: But yeah, so it was it was when he died. The party went to when it wanted to bring him back but Ebo had had to make the choice himself whether he wanted to stay where he was and for context of the current campaign running i don't want to say where or to go back you know and he ended up rolling a d20 um and if it was above 10 he was going to he was going to come back and if it was below he was going to just stay dead um and now the party has this reflection of like oh shit like Death, death is real. Like we might not come back from this. There's no, there's no guarantees and no promises.
0: I also had to like, I had to, I had to bring it down to a dice roll because I have to when I'm playing a character. This is me personally. I have to set aside what me as the player wants and think about what the character would want in that. and that, you know. So I had to leave it up to chance. What would, what would Ebo do, or what would this person do if he saw his his entire family or whatever in the afterlife and he was finally happy? But he also knows that his friends need him. <laughs>
1: that's what happened. So
0: <laughs> there you go, Keanu. am not going. We're not going into detail about. Yeah, it,
1: no, I know. But that's 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 exactly what happened, though. So it's fine. Like it's fine. Like Keanu can know. Like, but like you know, and to give the weight to the situation. the, oh, the reward is that much cheaper. Yeah,
0: yeah, just because. Also, just because Keanu knows doesn't mean that Will won't find out through RP. So.
1: Oh yeah! Yeah yeah. He, I'm not worried about that. You guys, we're we're all we're all somewhat veteran D and D players here.
0: Okay, but here's here's an aspect that I'm going to go even further, and I'm going to say not just permadeath in a, a campaign. In but real talking, life, I'm talking. No, I'm talking permadeath even further. Of why don't we bring those that I have this character sheet made up for this character, but he died like seven years ago in a different campaign. Why don't I bring him to another campaign? Because I really want to play him again.
2: Um, I'll go ahead and take this one. I think a lot of that comes down to, like, when you're playing these characters, like, at least for me, I try to get into the mind of that character. And it's hard to just, they have this history, you know, even if it's seven years ago, they have this history, and then you're just like, no, I just want to pretend like none of that happened and start all over. It kind of discounts the character's, like, past. You know, it sounds weird because this is, like, a fictitious thing, but like, in my mind, that character is dead regardless of what campaign they're in. Like, I can remember what happened to them, you know? And so, I will always start a fresh character, you know, or, or import one, like, bring one over from a campaign who's still alive. Um... But yeah, I don't know. Like, just because they d- they die in one campaign doesn't necessarily give them that kind of agency to to start a new story, in my mind. Because, I, yeah. like, imagine being like you know, like a level seven druid, and you got you know absolutely plucked, um, just to be like, oh, I'm gonna bring this druid back in a new story. Like, you can create a character that's like that druid. But to bring back that same druid just kind of almost feels disrespectful to me, you
0: know. That's what I was gonna say. Is I think that for me, it's it's a respect issue, and that's because I respect the characters that I play, and I uh, I don't want to just discredit their what I've created in this character, you know. Because in a sense, this character is me, you know, and it's like. If I if I disrespect my character, I mean I'm disrespecting myself, and I'm I'm not giving myself enough credibility as a player, as a role player, as as you know, just I'm not giving Dungeons and Dragons enough enough respect. And so that's why I think that, and I know not not a lot of people. um, I mean there, I mean there's a ton of people in the D D community who think perma, who go by the same like permadeath is the is the way of D D. But there are some people out there who will who will argue and say, well, this is my character, this is my world. You know, if I if I want to bring him a hundred years into the future and, and just say that he's the same character but uh, but new or improved, you know, they can do that. Which is like that's your that's your prerogative. I get that.
1: Yeah, it's well, I mean, and that's that's the thing. It really is. It's personal preference, but you know, your DM is is the final say. So, and there, and the thing is, it also gives you. I don't know. It's. The reward is always that much sweeter with with when the risk is beat, or when you when you fight the risk, or you know the, a heavier risk is is there. Um, so it's like one of those it's one of those things um, where you know like like my character my current character in the micro campaign we're playing with you Dale Raff he's never died, but he's hopped from campaign to campaign, and the reason I keep him doing that is because you know these campaigns fall apart and I love the character and I get to bring him back around but yeah. if he were to die he dies you know and that's one of those things I actually have been extremely lucky I've never actually had a character like die I I have not had a permanent death character um as far as like I I just haven't not yet like I've had like a um I've never had like a long campaign character I should say who died on me I've had a character at, like level 1 die but the, you know you're not really that invested in the character so like, yeah well that sucked oh well you know, but I've never, I, you know, my, I like I said, I have a level twenty three. That was the longest campaign I played, and you know, through high school and and into college a little bit, and then um, I, I was the forever DM after that. So,
0: yeah. so, so, my buddy Duke asked just while while we're on the subject of Wrath yeah. a little bit, a couple questions. He says, um, "But does he like? What about if like he remember? Does he remember his his past campaigns that he's been on?"
1: Okay. Um I think I saw him drop that earlier and there, I think it's talking about characters in permadeath or characters.
0: Yeah, in but it's in a it's a good one to to bring yeah. up since you're bringing up you've played Wrath before. Yeah. Well Seven with Ra-
1: with Wrath, he hasn't died. But to him, like I, I equate him as like a he's like a, he's almost like a planeswalker via Magic the Gathering. He kind of just has been hopping from adventure to adventure um and, and kind of doing his thing. Um and I and my character his car- his personality hasn't uh, I'll answer the second while I'm on Wrath right now. Um, his personality hasn't changed at all from campaign to campaign. He's kept the same. He's still but also it works perfectly for his backstory, which I don't want to get into because it's something I'm keeping tight lipped that Dale knows about, but I don't want to it's something I, I, I no character has ever found out Wrath's history yet. So it's something I, I'm keeping that close to the chest. You know, but each new campaign is just like a new it's a new adventure, it's a new tr- chance for Wrath. And with his backstory it makes a lot of sense. So and that's why it's perfect for me to do that with that character or else I would retire him until I really got another big campaign going and and found a a viable reason for him to join. Um and switching gears to just like a character permadeath, like like we said it's really up to the person, their preference and the DMs, you know. DMs, so yeah. you could you could do a modern day campaign where your character's reincarnated and they remember um they remember their entire past, you know, um from uh the f- they're in the future in modern era, they remember their their ancestors past, fighting elves and shit. You, you could definitely do that, or just they, you know, they die and your character dies and remembers everything and they're resurrected by a lich. It's all up to you in the DM and it's your personal preference. But like I said, it's it's one of those the weight of your character just being gone forever is always I, I it, it makes that risk reward that much better and it really makes D D feel more fun and it, it makes all your decisions have more weight. When well, you I just be flippant, it doesn't, it, it takes away from the game. To me, that's my opinion And in, in, in that vein.
0: See, so something that, that I really appreciate is, as a DM and as the person that's currently DMing this, this micro campaign that we're on is typically as a DM, I'll ask my players um, if they say, hey, I'm bringing a, a character that I've already made, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, did this character die? That's how I typically have to ask. I didn't do that with Wrath because I know what how you feel about permadeath, death, and I know that that's a, that's a stigma that you have as well. Um, but like, for example, Nate he he literally asked me, "Can I make Themis Even though he's dead, and I said no. <laughs> like, why why would you want to bring that? And I, and I know he was joking, but at the same time, it's just like this is this is a great topic to be on because I I don't like I don't like it. Um, he says. It's like the chaos theory, where if your character dies in one campaign, then that was just one roll of the dice, and the next campaign uh is the same life if he survived that previous campaign. So yeah, that's pretty much how Wrath is. It's like if Wrath died, he'd be he'd be retired, but he could he can go through several different campaigns because it's the same life he's going through.
1: Well, I actually disagree with that because I think this is all the way I equate it, this is all part of Wrath's adventure. You know? This is he, he's to me, this isn't a chaos theory type thing. This is him going from one adventure to the next. This is him, um, just keep continuing his, his, his,
0: uh, his path.
1: His path, I guess. So for me, it's not really chaos theory. And, and like I said, this is one of those where it, it really is like a, it's a, let me, I'll bring up Brick and Morty real quick because chaos theory is quite rampant with anything Dan Harmon touches. <laughs> so, um, that whole multiverse theory and chaos theory that runs rampant when, where the whole theme of that is nothing matters because there's an infinite number of realities where an infinite number of this action happens and this character exists. So nothing matters and nothing has any meaning. So it's to me, that's again, another way to cheapen out things you, if you, and if that's how you like it and you enjoy that aspect of it again, perfectly okay i'm not 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 dumping on that but to me when you go okay well there's an infinite it's the same vein of like oh well i can just resurrect the character whatever because permadeath has, doesn't exist and in, in this campaign so right. it, it cheapens it there's no real no real reaction to any of your actions there is no Ooh. there is no punishment that fits any crime it doesn't matter and that's what that that was the whole aspect and, and rick and morty especially the episode where they talk about that is that nothing has any meaning because there's infinite number of realities, infinite number of everything. So, you know, you go through the the chaos theory or the multiverse theory, whatever you want to call it. It just means that nothing matters. So at that point, it's it's going back to the ultimate point of, it's cheapening it because there's tr- no true effect because it can just pick up and, and go in a different reality.
0: Right. I that's how that. I view it anyways. Oh, that's how I, I'm, I'm the same way. Agreed. All
1: right, guys. Um, any, any last? Yeah, sorry. Go
0: ahead. No, oh, you you it's your your run of the show today.
1: I hate it. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice for you to ask one question. So I was like, oh, just to answer. Any last attack? It Keanu, do you have anything else to add to character creation? Anything you want to add into, tack into, add on top? Do you want to top it, pop it, lock it, pop it? Uh.
2: Here's the only the only other comment I have for character creation is uh
0: play hey, a druid, fuck everybody.
2: <laughs> fuck everyone else. No, uh Honestly though, like oof. uh with character creation, like it's one of those things that can be kind of daunting, you know, especially for first timers. I mean I, I won't lie, there are times I'm I'm even an experienced D D player and there's sometimes where I have trouble coming up with a character idea. But, you know, bounce bounce ideas off of your friends or your DM or, you know, the other players. Kind of get an in, in ear for some suggestions. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you follow, but, like, look for inspirations and suggestions with just, like, the, the people that you're playing with or, you know, look towards some of, the, like, the communities, like Reddit or not necessarily, but... <laughs> Uh, you know actually I, I will add in real quick the reddit
1: d sub uh, the the reddit d d subreddit is actually pretty wholesome I'll okay, give them that okay. like it is not super toxic like a lot of subreddits like the d d subreddit on there they actually have giant joking meme wars about the most like they talk about like things like most recently is where are the centaurs nipples has become <laughs> the talking points it's pretty hysterical it's it's pretty it's pretty wholesome nobody really shits on anybody so just it's my two cents on that
2: but yeah, I, I would just, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to bounce ideas off of people and see, you know, see their feedback. But, you know, more importantly, do what feels right for you. And, uh, you know, it, it might feel weird in the beginning, uh, but, you you know, there have been characters that I've created that, like, I didn't necessarily like in the beginning, but I played them, learned to appreciate and respect them, and then they ended up being some of the most fun characters I played, so... I don't know, it
0: but it helps if you have a if you it helps it really helps if you have a good group of friends who are kind of in the same the same like level playing field as you are.
2: Yep, I also agree with that. Yep, and uh,
1: <sighs> I want to chime in real quick. Um, this is something I said last week, and this is something I really stand by. Um, it is one of you know when I say the easiest character play is yourself. And from a roleplay aspect, it's actually very, very true. Um, but you know, don't be afraid to to use that. You know, and and go like it, like, what would you want to be like? Genuinely, if you want to play yourself, do you want to be the spellcaster? Do you want to be the fighter? Do you want to be the bard? That you know. Again, like when I say that, I I truly mean it. I mean, I want if I, you know, in a D and D world, <throat> I want to sling spells and be charismatic. And people actually listen and, you know, have a character that, you know, kind of gets along with everybody. And that's what my first character, my long-term character ended up being, was a half-elf sorcerer that I fell in love with. So it's one of those, if you are out of options, again, playing you and your dream class, your dream, whatever you would like to be, always the easiest thing to pick.
0: Yeah. like Me, I, once again, like I said at the she- beginning, and I'll say it at the end, is I... uh Really, really, really hate myself, so I'll just pick whatever's not me.
1: <laughs> Shocked you never picked a paladin.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> it just fe- that feels blasphemous at this point.
1: You say that, but that's if we're being honest, that's the antithesis to you.
0: That is true. A lawful yeah.
1: good, a lawful good. Of, <laughs> yeah, that's paladin true, that Kalor, true That's that is. I'm talking yin and yang there, bud.
0: You know what? I might make that my next character. Fuck.
1: I have regrets. (laughs) If I have to DM it. All right. Well, I think that is it for this week, gentlemen.
2: So, uh, next week, it's gonna be me hosting the show. Uh, I think I have a topic already decided. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think it's gonna be perfect because I'm the one that is hosting the show, so it's gonna be really easy for me to come up with questions. Um, this one this next episode is going to be for all those uh first-timer dms out there uh, but i'm gonna go with dm tips and tricks uh for basically coming together with you know your first dm experience uh how do you you know put together not necessarily like the craziest complex world but how do you get an idea of, of building your story, uh, oh. building your world, and how you facilitate some of the things with combat? So, the next episode is going to be...
0: It's, it's so much fun. So. Intro to <laughs> DM. DM.
2: Intro to DM.
1: This is actually perfect for Dale and I to not, to be the ones getting asked the questions on this, yeah, that's on this one.
2: Yeah. That's why I thought it would be perfect. I thought it would be that, great.
1: No, it's outstanding, man. Um, I, think, I think it's absolutely perfect. I, I actually have an idea, by the way, of something we can do each episode. I thought this would be fun. I thought it would kind of add a uniqueness to us. And I also think it would be a really interesting way to see how we get mad at each other for our opinions. Okay. I was thinking we could week by week, whoever's hosting picks a character, a character from any medium. And we have to figure out what class we think that character is. Okay. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, That's <laughs> I fucking was, amazing. I like I that. I thought it was fun. Do you have a character so, for this week? Um, so I, I actually do, but it's kind of, it's, it's an easy character, but it's always a fun discussion. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, captain Jack Sparrow.
0: Oh yeah. Easy. Oh, yeah.
1: easy. It's, it's, he's a rogue swashbuckler. Yeah. All day, every day. I mean, <laughs> and this, that's why I brought him up first, but to <laughs> give you an idea of like what it is, like it could be from anything, you know.
0: Surprisingly, Surprisingly, I'm gonna go a little bit different on this one. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say that he he multi-classes because I think he's part Bard as well. He has, I, he has at least one to two levels in Bard. Okay. Show your
1: homework. Why would why do you think that? I just
0: think, I just think that he is like he is so cutting a be uh, being a I guess like I guess you were right. If you build the rogue the right way, he could be they could be the charismatic face of the party, blah blah blah. But I don't think that's how he was that I think he's all showmanship. And that's something that a bard is... That's what a bard is, is just showmanship. And so, yes, he has ways of being that rogue-ish, swashbuckler-ish type person. But he also knows how to talk his way out of situations, and he is... I just... I think that he has that bard aspect to him.
1: Um... So... <sighs> I, I respectfully disagree, and, but here's Fair. why. Um, the showmanship, I think, is all part of the deception, which cuts back to Rogue. Anytime he does showmanship is because not, he's always deceiving someone. He is never showy for any other reason than a persuasion or a deception. It is always a it is always a veil to hide his at true purpose, which is a very Roguelike action which I don't which is why I don't think he's bard because I think cuz his dad ca- canonically is a bard because he was uh fucking Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones. So his dad is a bard 100%. But him himself, he doesn't do any sonnets, he doesn't sing any songs, he doesn't have any type of dances. The only thing he does is is as far as showmanship is is basically using it to mask Whatever action or or honest or dishonest he is doing,
0: do you think he's Bards, dis- Bards can do that as well though? Bards can definitely be have that showmanship. Yes, of,
1: but but their whole aspect of performance is where their magic comes from. He does, and he doesn't have anything that backs that. None of that goes into a type of magic or spell or anything. It is always into a skill set, not a not a not a spell.
0: Right, right. No, I I understand that, but I think that there's that there's a Bard oh. aspect to him. Oh.
1: See, this is this this is why I'm excited to do this. Yeah, yeah and also exactly. I, 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 already it. I already know.
2: I already okay. know who my next character, who my character is oh, going to be for next I'm week. I'm
1: excited. So, by the way, I want you guys to know I named it already. Uh, in the name of, uh, I want to see if you guys can guess it. Um, it is a, it is something that would appear halfway through an episode every week of of one of the most famous animated series of all time that started in the 1990s. Specifically, it started in 19. 19- 93 the animated series or not 93 96 animated series
2: is it who's that Pokemon yes it's who's that who's
1: that character 100% (laughs) so that's why I named named it who's that character so I thought I thought it'd be cute I thought it'd be fun to to name it something like that
0: we're gonna have to make a I'm gonna make a little yeah yeah, a little slideshow (laughs) or a little slide that'll come across the screen um but I think that's a good idea. But keep in mind that next week, hopefully by next week, guys, we are going to have a little jingle or something that for an intro slash outro song. Yep. That we're going to write and perform. Well, we won't perform, but we'll play it. But it will be uh written and sung by us. Uh but we will thank you guys. Oh thank you guys. On. On.
1: I'm sorry, there's one more thing we gotta do. Uh huh. Buddy, we gotta roll for the next week's drink
0: starting oh, shooting as well and, we, and we just, also before that we also have to figure out Kaito I need Keanu's um what he thinks Captain Jack Sparrow is he just kind of Oh yeah it's like, true yeah fuck well, I, I I was getting interrupted but uh I I uh, was going to say
2: swashbuckler as well I mean he's a fucking pirate I mean that's basically <laughs> like yeah. I don't know in my mind it's, it's it makes sense I was going to say that you know he's definitely just a rogue swashbuckler with very high charisma you know
1: he's the definition of chaotic, neutral, swashbuckler rogue with high charisma. I, I, yeah, I he's, agree. That's he's like, literally
2: a pirate, which is a thief, and <laughs> you know, he does most of his stuff is dueling, so it, it only makes sense. I agree. But, right. uh, do you want to roll since you're the host for this week, or should I
1: roll oh, because I'm the host yeah, I'm for rolling. next week? All I'm right. rolling, baby. The ho- ho- so let's make it from this. The host... Hey, hey, I don't have yeah. the
0: book. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't...
1: Dude, I'm fucking just shaking. I'll hold. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till you get back. Got it right so here. the, what I think is the host of of the week will roll at the end, and then we'll have, we'll tell everybody what the drink is, and then we'll make it for next week.
2: All right, roll it, bitch.
1: All right, we have a seventy six.
0: Ah. 76, that's the Coors Light Wounds.
1: Oh, no. no. I
0: hope not. It has I like tomato you. juice and soy sauce in it.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: he says, so, can so you guys take so. a rough draft of F the outro today? Is it just uh, five seconds of you guys screaming into the mics?
1: <laughs> Actually, it's five, five seconds of me screaming into a pillow in front of a mic. 76. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Nope.
2: 76 is a drink called Red Mana. Oh. oh yeah, I was it looking is that one. is two ounces of cinnamon whiskey, two ounces of apple whiskey, a bar sp- or a bar spoonful mm-hmm. of grenadine, two ounces of club soda and a Thai chili or a jalapeno coin.
0: Oh, yeah. So it del- actually sounds
1: fucking delicious. Here, I'll show
2: you a picture. There's our red manna right there.
1: That actually sounds kind of delicious. I'm kind of excited for this one, boys. So it's going right? to be a, a,
2: a little cinnamon apple spiciness.
1: A little spicy. A little bit all of right. spicy. I'm
2: going to have a little bit of a kick. Yeah,
1: Guys, since I'm hosting this episode, I'm going to do this. Keanu, last attacks, anything. You got anything, buddy?
2: I think I've said everything I need to say. To be honest. Dale,
1: you got anything?
0: Uh, No, I just want to say thank you. I, that, was a, that was a fun topic.
1: Alright, well, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for sitting through my scuff. Uh, And thank you all for joining us on the second inaugural episode of the Dubbies and Dragons podcast. Hell yeah. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.